Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. Hello, my name is Deborah Samuels, and my cookbook is The Korean Table. Welcome back, Deborah. Your food story is like most of ours growing up in America broiled steaks and chops with sides of vegetables and baked potatoes and the slice of homemade chocolate cake. How did you go from that to Japanese, then to Korean cuisine? Thanks, Susie. It's fun to be back. Yes, it, it, it was a giant leap, um, which I think I took when um, my husband and I went to uh, Japan on a study abroad program. And uh, my culinary horizons were just opened up um, tremendously. I had very little experience with any ethnic food prior to that, other than what pizza, that's not ethnic anymore. Bagels and lox, that's not ethnic anymore. I was just exposed to a whole new way of eating. And I must have been quite open at that point in my life uh, because I embraced it. And these flavors of um, saltiness from uh, soy sauce and the richness of miso just kind of took hold. I would have to say that that's where it started. I was always an adventurous eater as a kid, and I would eat things like liver and Brussels sprouts, so I had an unusual uh, palate, I think, for a a young child, but it definitely expanded when we uh, went to Japan. And I'm not sure that many people know, but there's a large Korean population in Japan, and we were introduced to uh, Korean food right away, actually. Lots and lots of Korean restaurants, mostly Korean barbecue. The other thing is, is that Japanese are very big on pickles and fermentation, and so everybody knows um, kimchi. And the Japanese, although it is not Japanese, um, it is Korean, they made it all the time along with their other, you know, um, milder pickles. I was introduced to that right from the beginning, and so were my kids uh, very early on, and they took to it. Lucky us. So fermented foods like kimchi started out as a preservation method for winter foods, but can you talk about the health benefit of fermented foods in general? Fermented foods is, they're all, they're very good for your gut. It sort of gives you that uh, all positive bacteria that Uh, swirls around in there and it's very good for your digestion as well and um, these pickles and fermented foods accompany almost every meal Um, and there is usually some order to eating things and when you see food that has a specific meaning and a specific place in your diet you really get why it is served it's considered a health food fermentation is with miso soy sauce is fermented pickles are fermented fermented foods is part of their diet in every single meal tell us about your collaboration with Taekyung Chung on this book I met Taekyung um, in the early 90s um, actually on one of our trips back to Japan and as a a lot of expats do. They get together and we met each other at an Indian cooking class in downtown Tokyo. We became very good friends. You know, I went back to the States and she went back to, um, you know, she actually lived in Japan. Uh, we lost contact and about, uh, I don't know, almost 17 years later, we were reconnected by chance. And at that point, we were both food writers and cooking teachers. This was in 2007. She said to me, do you think Americans would be interested in a cookbook on Korean food. And at that time, very little on Korean food that was approachable. And it wasn't very popular. But 
I said, sure, why not? You know, we'll give it a go. And our common language, interestingly, is Japanese. So I translated about uh, 15 of her recipes and um, took it to a publisher, and they went for it. We were very, very lucky because we were at quite right at the beginning of this explosion of um, interest in Korean cuisine. What are the five fundamentals of Korean cooking in terms of taste and colors? It's another cuisine that shares this um, red, black, yellow, uh, green, and white color palette that relates to foods and also relates to the different major organs of your body. And this has a lot to do with the concept of balance. These philosophies were developed sort of this yin and yang from China. And a lot of the Asian cuisine and religion and philosophies came out of China up through Korea and then to Japan. So they kind of target eat. Seaweed is good for one part of your body and garlic is good for um, your blood pressure. And so they know all of these things that we might consider folk medicines or folklore, but they really have a base in, in science. Koreans in particular are very aware and consider food to be medicine. Ginseng is one of the major herbs in Korean cuisine. It has its basic you know, umbrella as good for everything. And you'll find it in stews, you'll find it in teas, you'll find it cooked with other vegetables. And again, it is thought to have a lot of health benefits. Uh, seaweed, interestingly, or seaweed soup, is known as birthday soup in Korea because all women who have given birth eat seaweed soup for a month after their birth to sort of replace the blood that's lost and to rebuild the mother's iron. And um, packages of Korean um, seafood have pictures of mothers and babies on them in uh, Korean groceries. So you've organized the cookbook by courses and menu categories familiar to Westerners. But in reality, Koreans don't eat meals in courses. Can you explain that? When you go to a Korean restaurant, a lot of times people are very confused because all the food comes out at the same time. Uh, the first things that appear in Korean restaurants now here are these little banchan or these side dishes, which really make up a bulk of, of the meal. And their concept is just to put everything on the table at one time, and you kind of eat around as you like it, I would, I would actually say. Most meals have rice and soup and, of course, some kind of pickles. And then the other food kind of fills in. One of the barriers toward enjoying Korean food, we felt, was the fact that it was confusing for people to sit down and have everything put at them at one time, and they're sort of on a, a taste overload. So we did organize this the way people would find courses in sort of a, a Western cuisine. And so we were hoping that people would try one or two dishes per meal until they got comfortable with, with making these, these dishes with unusual ingredients. What is the difference between a sauce and a paste? Ah, that's a very interesting question. Sauces are things that you can use directly, I would say, and pastes are something that you're going to mix into a food. So a dipping sauce for scallion pancakes, which is soy sauce, rice vinegar, sesame oil, red pepper flakes, you can just take your food and dip directly into that. But if you're putting together something like a kimchi paste, 
that is something that you're going to be cooking with and you're not actually going to be eating it directly in the form that it's in. And so you'd be adding that to a stew or a soup or something and melt into the dish. So I grew up in Kansas City and I have very particular ideas about barbecue and barbecuing techniques. What's the difference between Korean barbecue and American? Well, you know, I think part of it is the cuts of meat uh, that you're using. And, you know, very rarely do you find thinly sliced beef in American barbecues that you just sort of almost flash cook. And it's almost an interactive activity where traditionally people would be sitting at a table with a grill in the middle and you would put your own uh, food on and uh, grill it and within about a minute or two you'd be eating it. It's kind of a communal way of eating, I would say, sitting around this grill. And that's what people find at uh, Korean barbecues. That, I would say, is one of the main differences. I always thought Korean barbecue was grilling, but I actually researched it, and the Kansas City Barbecue Society says that there are many forms of barbecue around the world, and it's the presence of smoke that unifies them all. So I guess Korean barbecue isn't grilling. I did not know that that is the one thing that uh, that, that unified them, but that that's interesting. My experience with Korean barbecue has always been in this manner where it's done in a, in a communal in a communal setting and it's um it's just a lot of fun it's kind of like uh, thinking of like a fondue party it's a it's a barbecue party that's basically what it is that's what I would say so last weekend I made your recipe for tofu and clam hot pot on page 84. And I used a beautiful beef bone broth that I got from my local CSA. And the combination Uh of the clams and sesame oil and red pepper paste were really, really nice. Um, Uh And I saw that you call that a Korean comfort food. It is one of those those nice uh, warming uh, dishes. And um, the combination of, you know, sort of, the heat of the um, of the red pepper and the different um, you know flavors of sort of the briny sea and the and the meaty flavors are really very very good. I um, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Why did you choose the silken tofu as opposed to? Um a harder tofu for that recipe. I will tell you a couple of things about this. This dish is called sundubu chige. Sundubu is a soft tofu. Dubu is tofu in Korean. And the type of tofu that they use is really like a custard almost. The tofu is meant to break up and become part of the stew instead of, you know, eating specific, you know, different chunks. But Americans are not do not always have access to this kind of tofu. So we went to the next best thing, which is the uh, silken or soft tofu, which will break up when you cook it. Yeah, Um, I thought I was doing something wrong because it was, I used the silken and it completely broke up. It's in, it's in there. It was in there. there. Um, The, the silken tofu that the, the custard tofu that they have is, is um, you purchase in a package that looks like a log and you just spoon or scoop it out into the hot pot, or you just lay the whole piece right on top, and it will break up as it cooks. It's um, a very popular dish, 
And a lot of restaurants, like in Japan and, and China, are devoted to just one particular cuisine. So there are a lot of restaurants that just deal with these hot pots, these tofu hot pots or、um, stew pots. And it's really, if you ever get a chance, that's the way to、uh, really enjoy it. Where can we find you on the web? www.cookingatdebras.com. And I also have an Instagram account, Cooking at Debras. And I am on Facebook too, as Cooking at Debra's or DG Samuels. Great. Thanks, Debra, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much, Susie. It was fun to be back.